Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. So many wonderful insights are found in the Word of God. And one of them is this. When God is in the picture, good things will happen. And in today's program, we're going to see that when Jesus comes into the scene, then healing, deliverance, and salvation will be your portion. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are beginning Matthew chapter 9. And Matthew chapter 9 is entitled, Man of Action Continued. After giving that superb Sermon on the Mount, Jesus hits the road and he begins to do what he was called to do, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. All of this is part and parcel of kingdom living. In today's particular lesson, it's entitled Healing of the Paralytic, found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. And what we'll see is that when the paralytic is healed, verse 8 tells us, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So, first of all, let's remember the background. Jesus had healed two demoniacs from the land of the Gergesenes. And he didn't stay long. The people from the town were so terrified at what had happened, they begged him to please leave. So, he did. After all, I mean, after you've done a great miracle like this, if people don't want it's time to move on. And Jesus does precisely that. He gets into the ship and goes back to his own city. Now, what was his own city? Well, we know he was born in Bethlehem. We know that he grew up in Nazareth. And now we have also learned in Matthew that he moved from Nazareth to Capernaum and set up his headquarters and by thus doing fulfilled prophecy. In this case, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Now we go on, and he's returning to his own city, even though it doesn't name Capernaum, that's what we have in mind, and he's going to encounter a paralytic, a man who cannot walk, and he is to be carried around, like virtually in his bed. You'll get a little bit of a theology lesson here about the issue of sin and the issue of sickness. And what is the relationship of the two? Now, it's not a definitive statement. There's more we learn elsewhere in Scripture. But while we may be interested in the healing of the physical body, God is interested in the healing of the whole person. Because, after all, not all sickness is caused because of our sinful action. Some of it comes just being in a fallen world or having something from our family or our mother or whoever somehow genetically transfer 
a disease to us. So it's not always because of anything we've done, but though sometimes it is, it just depends. But whether it is a sickness because of natural causes or sickness because of sin, the solution is still always the same. It's to come to God, to surrender to Jesus, to say yes to the gospel, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be connected to the body of Christ, and to know the word of God so that it will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So Jesus goes home, a paralytic is presented to him, and he talks about the issue of forgiveness of sins and not just of the healing of the body. What we will learn in all of these things, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Jesus has authority to heal the sick. What is remarkable about this is that Jesus delegates this authority to the church. We are told to forgive sins. We are told to pray for the sick, that they shall recover. And look, friends, maybe they will recover, maybe not, on the first prayer. Maybe they don't ever recover, or maybe they recover after a few prayers. There are different options here. But I do know this, we are to pray for the sick, and we are to believe for their healing, no matter what. Because people who, in faith, and persistently pray for the sick, they will see results. Sooner or later, they will come. You will tap into the power of God by your tenacity. We'll learn about all this and more in just a moment. All right, I'd like to now read the entire portion to you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Our lesson is entitled, Healing of the Paralytic. And again, the reference is Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Let's listen carefully to the word of the Lord. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Our reference here is Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. And again, our lesson is called Healing of the Paralytic. We are beginning Matthew chapter 9. It is called Man of Action Continued. And as we do so, Jesus is really on the go. He's traveling. He's ministering. It's almost like he's not even coming up for breath. It is so much a revival atmosphere. People are coming from everywhere. They are pressing to hear him. They are pressing to receive his healing touch. They are pressing to see more miracles done to others. The hunger is overwhelming. But as we've learned or going to learn, Jesus' true identity only seems to filter down in installments. The demons knew who he was. 
the Holy Son of God. But the people haven't yet figured that out yet. Even his disciples were still unclear on this issue. Though we'll get more insight about their revelation as we go along. In Matthew 16, the penny finally drops, and Jesus will declare to Peter that he is not just Peter, but that on this rock he will build his church. In other words, in Matthew 16, Peter, by revelation of the Heavenly Father, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on this confession of faith by Peter, the church is built. And in fact, in Matthew 16, is the first mention of this entity called church in the whole of the Bible. Obviously, it will not be the last, but that's to be saved for that particular portion. So Jesus is about to go home. Because after the merciful healing of the two demoniacs in the land of the Gergesenes, accompanied by the fearful plea of the locals to leave their town and to leave their area, Jesus gets back into the ship and passes over and comes to his own city. Well, we already learned that that city is Capernaum, on the northern shore of the Lake of Galilee, where he set up his headquarters. While it may have been technically possible for Jesus to go by land from the Gergesenes area to Capernaum, he chose to go the sea route, which was probably faster because the roads weren't so great. When he gets to his home, the people brought to him the man who was the paralytic, lying on a bed. Now what is interesting is it says Jesus saw their faith. How do you see faith? Because after all, faith is from the heart. Therefore, it would be considered invisible. Well, it's like saying, how do you know that the wind is blowing? You can't see the wind. So how do you know it exists? And how do you know it's blowing? Well, it's simple. We know the wind is blowing despite the fact it's invisible because we either feel it on our own bodies or we see the effects of the wind on the sails, on the trees, just about on everything, especially if it's a strong wind. Nobody doubts that the wind exists just because it's invisible. Faith is like the wind, or actually those born of the Spirit are like the wind. You can hear the sound thereof, but you don't know from where it comes from or where it goes. So Jesus saw their faith, because basically faith is accompanied by action. And the action was they knew that if they could just get their friend, the man that was sick from the palsy, into the presence of Jesus, he would become whole. They not only were affirming Jesus' ability to heal, but also Jesus' willingness to heal. This is very important. Jesus is both able and willing to do whatever. And we need to just come to him, trust him with all our hearts, And if it doesn't make sense and if things aren't going the way we think they should, don't give up, don't turn around, don't return to the world, whatever you do. Just keep pressing on into the presence of God. Because as we learned in Matthew 7 and verse 7, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So Jesus sees the faith. He's impressed. He rewards faith. He honors faith. He commends faith. And so he says to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. 
Now, I don't want to make any doctrine here, but Jesus was in his early 30s. He's calling the paralytic son. Is this to in any way imply that maybe the paralytic was younger than Jesus? Possibly. We can't know for sure, but it's interesting he uses that phrase. He tells the guy, cheer up. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, we know actually nothing about the life of the paralytic. Did he do something sinful that resulted in his injury and physical challenge? Or was he born that way? Well, we don't know. But he had a problem like we all do. It's called sin. Now, it's important to remember when we focus on the physical issue, the guy needs a healing. Jesus, of course, wisely focuses on the prime issue, the sin issue. Because if you don't solve the sin issue, healing will only be temporary at best. And if you don't solve the sin issue, the future is very, very bleak indeed. There's a phrase here, no point chopping off the weeds at the surface, they will simply grow again. If you don't deal with the sin issue, it's going to come And even though the man might be healed, the sin issue will overtake him and something worse may befall him. So what's the point of healing a man and leaving his sick soul unremedied? It can bring retrogression or sometimes even worse things. Well, Jesus does his ministry, but it doesn't come without some criticism from the scribes. When Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, the scribes are saying among themselves and in their own hearts that Jesus was a blasphemer. Now, what makes Jesus a blasphemer? After all, blasphemy means to grievously insult God. And of course, Jesus did nothing of the kind. No, the reason they were critical in their thinking in their hearts is because they said only God can forgive sins. And this is just a mere man. Now remember, not only can Jesus forgive sins, he commands us to forgive sins. Because without us forgiving others, we won't be forgiven either. If we forgive others, then we will be forgiven too. So fortunately, Jesus knows everything, or he certainly knows it sufficient enough to say this. He confronts his critics. He knows their thoughts, and he knew that their thoughts were evil. Their thoughts were evil because they are erroneous and their thoughts condemned an otherwise innocent man. Not just innocent, a holy man, a man of God. It's terrible to be attacking a man of God for doing what a man of God would do and should do. Something is seriously wrong. When somebody is criticizing the servant of God who's doing what a servant of God is called to do, they need to deal with their own attitude and sin issue as well. So Jesus, hearing or perceiving their thoughts, he then answers their question, who is able to forgive sins but God himself? He answers that question with a question of his own. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? Well, you know what? The truth is, both scenarios are easy to say, and both scenarios can be equally difficult. Now, in some ways, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because it does not require any immediate visible evidence. But when there is unlimited power, and of course in God, that is the case. His power is infinite. 
then both forgiveness and healing are manifestly easy. Since Jesus himself, Son of God, has access to all power, we will see such power in glorious operation. So then Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 9, 6, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go to thine house. Jesus doesn't just want to meet this man's physical need. He wants to prove a point that he has power to forgive sins. Jesus Christ is the source of all power and of all holiness. He is going to show to his critics and to the world he is qualified and able to forgive sin. This will be proved by the healing of the paralytic. He tells him to rise, take up his bed, and to go to his house. Now, if Jesus was usurping God's prerogative regarding sin and forgiveness, then this miracle of healing would not have happened, because God would not cause it to happen with somebody who's sinning and blaspheming. But Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus is doing the will of the Father. So he says that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic to rise and be healed. And friends, the miracle wasn't just for the paralytic. It wasn't just to silence the critics. It wasn't just to impress the multitudes. The miracle was done for us all. So we may know without hesitation, Jesus is the Son of God. He's alive again today and forevermore. And he has power to forgive our sins and to heal our sicknesses. So in Matthew 9, 7, the paralytic arose, returned to his house. Everyone was stunned and the critics were silenced. Now our final verse is Matthew 9, verse 8. The multitudes rejoiced. When they saw this miracle, they marveled. And they glorified God for giving such power to men. The good thing is God received the glory but the critics were shamed. So with that in mind, remember that our lesson is called the healing of the paralytic. And our lesson for life is Jesus is authorized to delegate power because he possesses all power in heaven and on earth. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also, please go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter. We want to help you become future-ready by giving you articles from the Scripture, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the ministry of Jesus that we saw here in Matthew 9. He not only forgave sins, but he healed sick bodies. Lord, we know that Nothing changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we thank you for his power to forgive, his power to heal, his power to set free, and, of course, his power to save. We rejoice in all this through Christ the Lord. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.